Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. All right, that was awesome, Pastor Me. Thank you for that, because um, I've been wanting to teach the kids that, so I think we're actually going to run with that today. So hopefully the kids will have that memorized after this service. So, yeah. All of those um, fun um, songs that I used to know when I was younger, I love it because they all have the scripture in it, and so I think it's very important for the kids to know that. So we will be working on some of those things. Awesome. So welcome to Life Family Church. If you don't know me, my name is Chrissy. I'm in children's minister here as well as on staff um, with the as an administrator. Um, so welcome, you guys. If you are new, you should have received a newcomer's connect card and please fill that out and return it into the source center where you received it and we have a special gift for you. We do have our Men of Valor Day coming up. This will be November 6th. So I believe it's next Saturday. No, the following Saturday after that. Sorry, 9th. I read that wrong. <laughs> um, so there are signups in the source center if you've not signed up yet. So this is the day where the men get to come together. You guys get to improve the church. Um, you guys are sowing seed into the kingdom and the will be steaks afterwards. It'll be a good time for all of the men. No, no ladies. We have our day a little bit later on in the month, but um, come on out. If you haven't signed up, go ahead and sign up in the Source Center. Um, Also, check out our men's corner in the Source Center. There have been some additional books that have been added, so check those out. They're really cool, so I'm excited for those. Um, And then also, men, if you have not joined the service team, you can see me. We would love to have you. Anyone, actually, men and women, if you haven't joined the service team, we'd love to have you guys join up um, and be a part of this team. So they're they're a blessing to each and every one of us, this whole church. So you guys can join in on the reaping once you start sowing. So amen. Um, Also, we have an outreach coming up. So this um, was such an amazing uh, past. We did a soul winning a few weeks ago in one of these apartment complexes, and pastor was like, what if we did an outreach? So it was really cool because I got to be a part of that. I saw his, like, his mind going with that. He's like, just you know, we could come out here and just really give back to these people. Um, so we were able to go door-to-door soul winning over there, but um, this is just going to be a little, you know, cherry on top. So we're going to come with gifts. So we are asking for donations. Um, we were really, really blessed with our last outreach, so we're trying to get as many items to give because when, when we're giving, the hearts begin to open. And so we really want them to receive the gospel, you know, really to receive it deeply. You know, we don't want them to just say the prayer and then move on. We want them to be changed, and we want to see the signs and miracles and wonders happening in their lives just like they are happening in ours. So that, we also have sign-ups, LCU students, it is required, because in place of our soul, our next soul winning, um, we are doing the outreach. So that is December 7th. So that is on a Saturday. There are sign-ups in the Source Center. So go ahead and do that. Um, also, ladies, so our day is going to be um, November 30th. We do have signups in the Source Center as well. We are going to deck the halls for Christmas. It's that time of year again. So we get to come in and make everything look really, really beautiful. So that'll be exciting. Um, and 
we may be thinking about doing something like the men, but we'll figure it out. Um, also, don't forget to silence your cell phones. We are recording the service for podcast purposes, um, so please go ahead and do that now. If you have not already, go ahead and check it. Um, and then don't forget to check your email connections. Um, that is going to be our church bulletin through your email. Check that out, our Facebook, our Instagram, and all of our social medias, all right? And don't forget church website as well. All of our upcoming events are updated for you guys. All right, thank you. So go with me in your weapons manual or your instruction manual. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Let me first of all make sure we're all on the same page about the word grace. The grace does not mean what God has done for you. It means what he, ability he's given you to do for him or for others or the kingdom. So grace is a synonym. You could say the word ability. Every time you see grace in the Bible, you could circle it and write ability above it. It means God's ability on your inability. That's why we can uh, quote our favorite verse, I can do all things. It's because of grace. Amen? Uh, let's bump up one, uh, two verses, so to verse 6. And uh, in the Amplified, it says, remember this, he who sows sparingly. That word sparingly means to abstain. So if you're to abstain from giving or to draw back or withhold yourself from an offering, that's a sparingly person. Sparingly doesn't mean just small amounts because God's not measuring the amount. He's measuring the heart. And that amount, uh, which might seem little to one person, may be somebody else's all. So God uh, sparingly is connected to the heart. So when you sow sparingly, that means you abstain. And grudgingly, he says, this is how you'll reap. You'll reap sparingly and grudgingly. Who's interested in reaping sparingly, grudgingly? No sign-ups for that clipboard? Okay, just checking. He who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone. How many of you have figured out that your sowing, yes, benefits you, but it's not for you? Yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're, we work to make, Brother Copeland said it this way, we work to make a giving, not a living. If you're working to make a living, you're, you're missing out on the opportunity that God's given you. He says he'll give you power to get wealth. That's beyond what you can put your hand to in your 40 or 50 hours or whatever, however much education. Um, whatever you're able to do with your own hand or might or power should be far less uh, sufficient than what God needs for the accomplishing of his plan in your life. It's not going to be enough. You're going to need multiplication. Amen? Uh, that blessings may come to someone. We'll also reap generously and with blessings. And then verse 7 says, let each one give. Now, this is not referencing tithe. I'm not even going to talk about that today. We know that's God's and we're not going to steal that. So we're talking about we're bringing our alms and offerings too. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, and prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Some people have a fear of abandonment. This is genuine fear. Because they've been abandoned and rejected, sometimes they don't even know they're still harboring that. So if you have a fear of abandonment, here's your cure. Give, because God refuses to live without you. He refuses to abandon. He's unwilling to give up this type of individual. So just make that you and you will never have to fear being abandoned. God is able to make, that word make means compel, to drive or urge with force. So when God says, I'm going to make it happen, he means it. 
He's, gonna, he's going to compel it and drive it home with force. I'm able to make all grace, which means all ability, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, under all circumstances, whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. So what is God's plan for biblical finances in your life? That you have so much, the more than enough, that every time there is any need, if it's 500 offerings or 500 opportunities, you have more than enough to abound, not sparingly, drop a dollar in, abound to every good work. That you personally need nothing because you're amply supplied. That you spend the rest of your life looking for where you can sow. Because if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you to the point where you're like, it's coming faster than I know what to do with it and get rid of it. I know we were going to be with our pastor uh, on Wednesday night. So we always uh, spend at least two days talking to the Lord about what do we get to give? It's all yours, Jesus. So just tell us, what account do you want it out of? How much? Can we take it out of multiple? We ponder with eagerness. We get to give a special offering. See, we support them every month, but this is an extra. How much can we? Not how much should we put in, how little? No, how much can we actually do, God? Measure our faith. Give us an instruction. Command your accounts because God doesn't have 10%. He has 100%. So we, we, we talk about it. We look forward to, okay, well, I'm going to pray. You pray, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what God says to each of us, what amount. And even when we settle them out to our heart, we get there, and it's always like, oh, can we just, can we do more? Can we, you know, can we double it? We just love, love, love to do it. So that's the person God refuses to live without, that's excited, that's cheerful, that's prompt. In other words, I had it in an envelope ready and written out before I came. Not, not the pastor's got to instruct you, okay, everybody take a minute. Oh, because... I came with the purpose to receive. I receive nothing if I don't sow something. So I was like, man, I'm counting on everything I need tonight. God, I need every impartation and endowment that heaven's got for me. So I'm going to strike that mantle with everything I've got. Amen? So it's that person that God's uh, looking for. Uh, that excites God. You know, the church should never have to take up a special offering for anything. Because the general fund, if everybody was doing their part, if everybody and every church tithed, not one month, next month they don't, we're still thinking about Christianity 101, whether we should come to church, whether we should tithe, whether we should live holy, whether we should watch what we watch. We're, we're still in Christianity 101. And uh, time is running out on that. So let me just help you with this. Uh, be all in or all out. Because that's what Jesus said. If you're going to do anything, do it all. If you're going to get out, get out holy. If you're going to go to hell, bust it wide open like a fireball. But if you're going to live for heaven, then do it all. This, this little window, um, and I'm not being facetious, this little window is really closing. It'll be closed by the end of the year. Um, you know, when you're on, you're moving on to I-4 and, and people go generally 80, unless they're looking at something, uh, they generally go about 80. And so there's this thing called an on-ramp. 
and it's got a pretty good length to it, hopefully in most places, because you need a space to accelerate. So if you're in a little Ford Tempo that's 20 years old, it's not going to go 80, even if you have two miles of an on-ramp. But that little on-ramp is because you've ex- decided to get in uh, all in with God and you're excited. So you're on the on-ramp and you're putting the pedal to the metal. So when you get in, you can merge with the traffic safely. But if you try to merge when the, the people are going 80 and you're going 40, it's not safe for anybody. So you're a hazard. And so God has given us time spiritually, but that window is closing. There won't be an on-ramp because he did say that you would be all in, that that wrath being poured out would press you all in or press you all out, that you're going to have to put the pedal to the metal. And you don't have to know where you're going. Just follow those cars, boys. <laughs> but just get on and get that pedal to the metal and get all, get all in and not thinking, well, I don't know. Maybe I want to swing through the McDonald's drive through first and, you know, get, get off. It's this, it's this um, wavering, this constant in and out. So I'm just encouraging you as this year is coming to a close. Um, so uh, we have to start being able to bring our faith to revelations and utterances in the close of this year into next year, and not just always trying to believe God for our personal finances, because we haven't really been tithing the last 10 years. Does that make sense? Um, it's beyond you is the more that you desire. But when we're allowing Satan to keep us so self-focused, our blessing, our needs, even, even I hear a lot, my ministry, my calling. Ministry just means meeting the need. So we're all, how many of you understand you're all called to ministry? You're all called to the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling lost mankind back to the Father. You're all called to the ministry, the ministry of service, and you're never promoted out of those two things. So we can all just join that saying we're all called to the ministry. But when you make something very self-focused, everything's about you, you're missing the entire purpose of the part you play in the body and what God's doing in the body. And sometimes even because you're missing it, you, you cause a backdraft or a plowing of cross grain of the very plan and purpose of God. Because you're kind of wandering around, banging into everybody. They're all marching this way. And you're kind of like, what are we doing? Where are we going? You know, like aerobics class. They were, they were all going that way. And then I was going that way. Yeah, because nobody passed out a vocabulary list. How are you supposed to know what a grapevine is? It's a grapevine, yeah. So they're doing a grapevine. We didn't tell me. And then it's reversed in the mirror, right? And then they want you to use the step thing. That's very unwise. Yeah, so they're moving in one direction, a mirror, and then we're going to go up and down and side to side too. Yeah, how many of you know what happened? They were that way. So I gave up and I got on the treadmill and ran and just watched. Yeah. But God's not looking for you to watch. He's looking for you to participate. Amen. All right, so let's get all in. You ready to receive? Okay, gentlemen, you can serve the people. Let me pray over that. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to not only give you what is yours in the tithe, but you give us the free will to purpose in our hearts offerings on a continual basis of gratitude and honor to you. Thank you for the opportunity to give you something, God, that you multiply back to us for our own lives and for the blessing of others. You are so generous and so great and so merciful, and we are forever and eternally grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you put it in, put mixed face. Say, go grow, and I'll see you soon. All right, let's go to Isaiah 61. Beyond you, there's the more. So if you're looking for the more, it doesn't lie within you. It's beyond you. Uh, Remember when David uh, and Jonathan were having the um, secret 
code between them. He said, when you, when you come out, I'm going to let you know if it's safe for you to return because my father, Saul, seeks your life um, by the arrows. And he said, um, if I tell my boy to run and get them and, you know, that they're beyond you, in other words, the moors beyond you, that means it's not safe. It's beyond you, but that's scriptural. So beyond you, beyond where your life is, is the more. Are you thrilled with the hour, the era that we're living in? Yeah, you need to be thrilled with it. First, you need to know what it is. <laughs> You're like, well, I'd like to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell just in case you don't know, I'm going to tell you what it is. The hour, the era, an era just means an appointed period of time which something specifically belongs to or is assigned. It's like when I talk about a kiros moment of time. Uh, And so Genesis, God talked to Moses and he talked to Abraham and even talked to Adam about uh, seasons. So when God uses the word seasons, that's what he was referring to. There would be eras. There's the kiros, there's a moment in time when something literally strikes in that moment and you move with it or you miss it. And then there's a season or eras, which can be a couple years long, that the Holy Ghost has something specifically assigned to that we need to pay attention and connect to. So uh, this era or this hour that we're living in, um, it it is the last one. It is the fourth quarter. Um, Here's what's interesting. Your, Your belief is not required to make this one happen. It'll just change the outcome of your life on it um, because God has set the end from the beginning. God has set. Jesus doesn't even know. But he did say, here's how you'll know. So everything he listed on how we'll know, and one of the things he said specifically was to watch the fig tree, which is Israel. So there's many things that we can see to know the hour that we're in. So let's go to Isaiah 62. You there? 62.6. And I'll read it out of the Amplified and the King James. The King James says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls. The word walls means your joining place. So this is not a literal, even though it was a literal in the Old Testament, a wall. In the New Testament, for us, it's figurative. The place that God has placed you and joined you to. He has set a watchman on the wall or a watchman at the place of your joining. It's very, very critical to your life that you are at the place you're supposed to be, with the people you're supposed to be, and when you're supposed to be there, but that you're all in. If you're there at the right place with the right people, but you're sitting back going, I'll just wait and see. It is the get in, get out, get run over thing. Okay. It's a mighty moving force. So you you have to be all in. Um. Watchmen on the walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. When the Amplified, it says they'll never hold their peace. And this is talking about people saying, the constant praying or saying of confessions. You who are his servants by your prayers, put the Lord in remembrance of his promises. Keep not silence. Again, recalling what Brother Copeland said about the, uh, this year. There needed to be much greater amounts of you calling and you saying. Um, isn't it intriguing, though, that our flesh uh, so resists that? How oddly, because our flesh wants to do nothing all day but express its opinions and complaints about everything and everyone. But then instead of using, I mean, we love jacking our jaws all day long for anybody listening, even when no one is listening. The dog, you know, and no one's listening at all. The neighbor trimming their bushes. You don't even care. You're just going to talk. But we, we love to talk about things that are wrong, that we don't like, and that we want to complain or just give our opinion about maybe how we would do it different or better. Yeah. But yet when God's like, I need you to put, open your mouth and talk, we're like, oh, it's just so much work. 
to do my confessions list. It takes a whole 15 minutes. Yeah. God has bullfrog eyes too when we say things. Blinking like a bullfrog on a lily pad. Keep not silent. And so the, the Greek transliteration of that would sound similar to this. I have set appointed, charged, and committed watchmen, guards to protect, attend, and beware. To keep, to look narrowly, observe, preserve, and save upon your walls. To join, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day and night, that make mention of the Lord and keep not silent. I have appointed guards to watch, attend, and preserve the place I have joined you to. They will not be silent, but pray day and night. So how many of you have learned recently with pastor referencing prophecy, nothing is automatic. Nothing in this word will happen to you automatically. No prophecy, uh, uh, an utterance I'm talking about by the mouth of a prophet. We all are supposed to prophesy as believers. Yes, that's called simple prophecy. But I'm talking about through the, an utterance through the mouth of someone standing in the fivefold office of a prophet. That is not automatic either any more than anything in here. You would have to contend for it. And he taught on how many of you were there, you got the podcast, what does contend mean and and what does that look like? So what that looks like is your mouth is connected with this, contending for this word to take place in your life, to to be so, not just knowing what can be so. And then when uh, the Lord speaks a prophecy to the body, the global body, that's us too, amen. We have to contend. That means we have an enemy who wants to do what? Hinder it from happening. So to contend means that you have a rival that's trying to steal that. So you're in like this tug of war. You hold on to half of that. I promise not to rip it. So Satan, the, the moment the word comes forth, the Bible says, the thief comes, right? The moment. It's spoken. The thief latches on and then you better latch on. But see, most of us will go to lunch and don't even remember what it, what it was said. So that's why I always have you stand and put things in your mouth. And so he comes to steal, to take that word. Does he have the right to do it? Oh, yes, he does. He has every right because he's the God of this world. He has a right to anything that you let him have. In other words, he is authorized to take it from you if you let him because he is a thief by very definition. And so you're only authorized to keep it if you'll guard it and protect it. Now, God wouldn't ask us to guard something that didn't need guarding right? And so that means you were going to have to have some effort. It had some value. It was worth guarding, but that means somebody was going to take it. If it was automatic, we'd have to do that. And he's like, hey, once you read it, you're good to go forever. Don't worry about it. Satan can't touch it. You don't have to watch over it. You don't have to contend for it. You don't have to get your sword out. Yeah. How many of you know that you have a right to everything that's in your home? Anybody ever heard of anybody's house being broken into though? And somebody's trying to steal something out of your car. Yeah. So you have enemies. They're called thieves. Just because something is legally yours in this country doesn't mean somebody else is, is not going to try to take it. Yeah. And no one's going to stop them, right? Unless who? You. Or you're like, well, well, the policeman. Well, you're there before they get there, hopefully. Yeah. And you can work with the policeman. You can work with the law. So this book of the law, Joshua said, shall not depart out of your mouth. Yeah, because that was, you were the law enforcer. God wrote the law, but you the law enforcer. So the Supreme Court might be making the laws, but the policemen are enforcing them. So you're the popo in your life, right? Okay. So God is limited by your prayer life. So you're like, well, God has no limits. He is absolutely limited 
by your sayings and your praying. So it doesn't matter what you want to call it, but I'm getting ready to teach the prayer class. And prayer is just a conversation that we're having with God. But we make it the separate spooky thing and we call it prayer rather than conversation. <laughs> there are different ways that we can conversate, just like we can with humans and different subjects. Um, but it's just a conversation with God. So he is limited by your asking Yes, you have not because you ask not. So he's limited by your prayer life. He's limited by your confessions or saying, if you don't hook up with that, he can't do it. Um, I don't recollect who said it. I want to say Charles Finney, but I don't think that's right. Um, God can do nothing in the earth unless someone prays. Or we could say, unless someone says. So even though God set the law in place, he needs you to enforce it with your mouth. As soon as you hook up with him, then he can make it so. Until then, it's just something that can be so. So God is limited by our, our sayings or our prayer life. He's waiting for you to invite him to be involved in, in things. Matthew 16, 19. Let's, let's go there. Pastor asked me to expound on uh, some of the, the prophecy that he gave out. I think it was two Sunday nights ago. It wasn't last week, was it? It was the week before, guys. Um, because it is the job of a teacher to teach what the prophets speak. And so um, proclaiming is a bit different than explaining. And um, it is always my job to thoroughly explain biblically to you so that you can um, begin to walk that out in the fullness. So Matthew sixteen nineteen says, I give who the keys? You got the keys. So does Jesus have the keys? No. So Jesus is not, you don't need to pray to Jesus. I need you to unlock the door for me. Because he's going to say, you got the keys. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. So who's in charge? You. you whatever you say goes. Yeah, and so God's ba- he's waiting to back up your words. And he's, his word is already correct. So when you cooperate with it, then it's going to manifest. So he's given you the authority. Matthew twenty eighteen said, all authority, Jesus said, has been given to me. Then he turned right around. In Luke 10, 19, let's go there. And he says, I gave it to you. So he said, my father gave it to me. Now, Merry Christmas, giving it to you. So uh, did Jesus take the authority back to heaven with him? No. See, you're not going to walk in the fullness and cooperate with the Holy Ghost in this air, much less your personal life, um, if you don't, don't understand how to exercise authority. So the believer's authority is coming back big time. And it's, it's not lost to me that the Holy Ghost uh, told us in prayer to bring that back as our missions manual forever. So that will, be, that will be the mission's devotion because there's nothing that you're going to get accomplished overseas if you didn't, walk, if you didn't go with your full authority. You get your clock clean like the seven sons of Sceva. Okay, so uh, verse 19, he says, Behold, I give unto you power. That word power means the ability and the privilege. What a privilege it is for you to exercise that. Competency. Oh, what a beautiful word. How refreshing. In an era of utter, as the French would say, les incompetentes, that Jesus has given us competency. So some people you, you know may need you to help them understand that word, that they can use their faith for that. Uh, mastery and authority, the right, the strength, and the jurisdiction. The jurisdiction. You need to know where you have jurisdiction and where you don't have jurisdiction. Where you don't is the none your clause, none of your business. <laughs> but where you have jurisdiction, um, it is very serious for you to abdicate authority. 
and expect Jesus or somebody else to do that for you. Um, what happened in history when kings and other people abdicated their throne for perhaps something they thought they might prefer more, like selling your birthright for a bowl of oatmeal? Yeah, it did not go well with them or their descendants all of their life. It's, it's a dishonorable thing to abdicate authority because we want to be popular or we want things to be easy, but that's not us, right? So God is waiting for the expression of our authority and heaven is waiting to back you up. Uh, His will is only carried out where it's invited. So in other words, how do we invite it? Not by asking God, God, would you please, would you, no. We invite it by saying, when he prompted me, seek first the kingdom of God, that sounds like an instruction. I, don't, I wasn't taking it as, oh, this is a nice song I'm recollecting from my childhood. I thought, either God, I'm not seeking first the kingdom in every area, and so the way I'll be, become doing that is to start saying it, or you just want me to stir it up. It doesn't really matter. It, it's in the obedience that understanding comes. But we'll sit there and we'll want to do this uh, thing called praying about it and processing, which as I've mentioned, and I just feel led to mention a lot, is actually rebellion and disobedience. Rather than stepping out in faith with what you have, because Proverbs says that as I walk in obedience, I understand. But people will sit there and go, well, I don't want to do that because I don't really understand it. Yeah. You don't understand how the 747 flies, but you got on it. Yeah. The, the guy flying it does, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully he's present up there. We do things every day that we don't understand. I don't understand what my dentist is doing with his fingers in my mouth and some tool that felt funny and tasted nasty. He didn't even ask me. He didn't talk to me about it. He didn't say, are you okay with that? Afterwards, when he was done, he went, did that hurt? I'm like, I'm not, no, not really. Kind of felt odd. It sounded really, really like it shouldn't be going on in there. <laughs> but uh, he was not concerned, yeah, with my opinion. He was just being PC, politically correct at the end. And I was okay with that. I didn't think it needed an answer. You're like, it's kind of irrelevant at this point. It's afterwards, and you didn't offer me any pain meds. So, okay. So, uh, to watch means that we're going to have to pay attention. Notice the phrase, pay attention. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something to pay attention. It should cost you everything. That means it's going to cost you something to hold your attention on this when you want to look at that and when everybody else wants you to look at that. It's going to cost you to hold your attention on what Jesus asked you to look at. You will have to dismiss distractions. They may not, you're going to have to learn to tell the difference between a sin and a distraction. We shouldn't be wondering if something is, if we cannot tell the difference between sin and distraction, we need to repent and we need to read our Bibles over because sins are very clarified. They're not called mistakes in our side of what we made a mistake. No, it's a sin. If it's a sin, call it a sin. A mistake is it was an accident. Brittany's song, theme song is, oops, I did it again. That's not yours. Yeah, no such thing. So we're going to have to... uh, I like to say it like this, Satan can schedule your distraction, but he cannot schedule your destruction, but your distraction will become your destruction. Yeah, you have to participate with God or or Satan. They both require your participation. God can't do anything without your participation, but neither can Satan do anything without your cooperation and your participation. So you're going to have to, it's going to cost you something. That means you're going to have to put uh, effort in this area and dismiss the effort you've been putting in another area. How many of you ever gone to school while you were working full time? 
Did it cost you something to pay attention in class? To pay attention to a different direction and have your eyes on something? Yeah, it did. It cost you a lot. It may have cost you some fun. It may have cost you uh, some Netflix. It may have cost you some date nights. Uh, maybe you didn't wash laundry. You just bought more underwear at Walmart. I don't know. It, co- <laughs> it cost you something to, to have a different f- future, a different focus on your future. It didn't mean you were giving up anything that was wrong or sinful. But what you said is, that's my distraction and that will become my destruction because I want something different. So that's what God is asking you in the last eight weeks of this year. Uh, what do you, what, the value you place on anything is immediately revealed by the price you're willing to pay for it. So how much do you want it to cost you? I always recommend everything and the all, but again, everyone is entitled to have whatever measure they want. Amen. The price of victory, though, in your life will be constant watchfulness. The price, though, is not greater than the prize. We have to be careful of being proud of ourselves like Peter. Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. Jesus is thinking, what, three catfish in a boat? (laughs) Yeah, like he left heaven. (laughs) Perspective, right? Like, okay, Peter. Yeah, but to Peter, it felt like everything. And so Jesus was kind. I mean, he's like, hey, just remember, Peter, anything you've given up in this life, I'm going to give you back all those things. Uh, but notice that when he said that phrase, he said he included people. It wasn't just houses. It wasn't just land, cars. There are some people that you'll have to let go and leave behind. And they may even be related to you by blood. Because he identified those particular things. If they gave up fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. Uh, some of you, it will cost you, and rightfully so, some of those relationships. Because Jesus told you, those are your relatives, but that's not your family. So when you're in a a local church, you have a family that is better, because God said it's better, than the people related to you. Now sometimes, uh, in our case, I've got both. Best of both worlds. But most people do not have that. Stop looking for that. If you choose your relatives over the family of God, then that's what you may have but that will cost you. Yeah. Jesus recommended that you not. He said, who are my mothers and brothers and my sister? He said, you guys. So if it was good enough for him, you might want to say it's good enough for me. That helps you. That helps us with our emotions about things. Not making emotional decisions doesn't mean we don't have emotions. It doesn't mean we don't feel them and they don't hurt or they're not wonderful, whatever. But we don't make decisions to live by those things. So when Jesus identified every area that we were going to run up against, especially in the last days, there's only 24 hours in your billfold, guys. That's it. You're not going to earn 26. You're not going to earn 28. So the great equalizer is time. The only thing that's going to separate people in the last days is how they spent those 24 hours, how they either spent it, wasted it, or invested it. I recommend you not spend time. Definitely don't waste it. We don't even need to talk about that. Stop spending time. Make sure it's in, you're investing it. You need a dividend. You need a return on that. Because time is very short. That's what Ephesians 16 is talking about, redeem the time. Or buy that back. That's an investment. Okay, so uh, a watchman is a person who keeps guard. Uh, Does a guard have to have authority invested in them to do that? Yeah, the person in uniform or the person that uh, somebody in superior authority has bestowed or delegated authority, that's you. You're, You're functioning under delegated authority. So you can be bold. You have been authorized by God to be the guard in the uniform. 
and carry whatever weaponry and use whatever weaponry you need to carry and exercise it. You are full authority invested in you. Amen. So uh, does God expect you to do the job? Yeah. yeah. He said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you for an account. And he, he gives us an example. What happened to the servants? There were three of them. How many of you know what happened to the third one that thought guarding was hiding? See, we're, we're like, well, what is guarding? I'll just hide it, protect it. I'll go bury it in a corner. Jesus made really clear that that was not his idea of guarding. His idea of guarding was to double it, make it happen. Isn't that fun, though? You'd rather have action, right? So Satan comes to steal, we know the basics, money, health, peace, joy, right, relationships. But how about this? How about he tries to steal demonstrations of the Spirit? How about coming to steal manifestations? How about coming to steal impartations because we felt like sleeping in instead of going to church or going to the meeting. And so you missed out on an impartation, which is an endowment that goes down in the inside of your spirit through the mouth of the person speaking. Can't replace that through a podcast. Paul said, I desire to see you that I might impart. Imparting was a got to show up in person thing, which cost, right? Cost to comb your hair, iron your clothes. Yeah. And get out of bed. It costs, it costs something, but it's when something costs something, uh, it's not what something costs. You're going to have to ask yourself, what is it worth? It's different. What does it cost and what is it worth are different things. So, um, he wants to steal the harvest. He wants to steal what belongs to the church in this era, in this hour. So there's, there's far more beyond just where you're at of guarding your money, guarding your health, guarding your relationships. He wants to steal something even more important. That's why that came to me. Seek ye first. People are like, well, I do seek first the kingdom of God. If up to this point, you haven't come into the full knowledge of how to hang on to your health, your finances through tithing and showing up in church and what we call basic Christianity 101. Um, let me just recommend that you take a giant leap into all in the kingdom. Because you trying to work yourself from faith here to go, I've got to have faith to tithe. I've got to have faith to show up to church every week, not once every other week. Um, you don't have enough time. So you can take, legally, spiritually, you can just go, I'm going to all in and pay attention to the kingdom. I'm going to make sure the church has everything it needs. Anything pastor calls for, I'm there. Because in that act of faith, the leap of faith from the lion's mouth, where yes, it feels like free falling, congratulations, only then are you doing it right. If you're not trying to <gasps> catch your breath, you didn't do it right. Um, watch the Indiana Jones clip. That's a great demonstration. That's exactly what that should look like and feel like at all times. And, and if you don't know where to jump from, just climb up in the tree, take a saw and, sh and saw your own branch off. Yeah, get it over with faster, sooner rather than later. Let's expedite this process. Um, so we have the right to speed things up if we want to. You can go 20 miles an hour, you can go 80. It's your car, right? And so uh, let me recommend that you just go all in for the kingdom because in skipping to that, that creates an automatic, you got all your stuff taken care of. So there's the hard way and the easy way. Let me recommend the easy way. It is a pedal to the metal, and for some people that'll be a bit uncomfortable, but you need to feel the need for speed at this point. Yeah. Because did not God call this year the year of acceleration? Did he not use terminology that it would explode into next year? That is an ever-increasing speed. That's beyond speed. When dynamite goes off and things blow up in the movies, uh, that's a lot faster than 80 in a car. Because you could YouTube that scientifically. What was the speed of the bomb? Not 80 miles an hour. <laughs> 
Yeah. So uh, imagine that. That is Jesus's plan that you are have been going 80 on the freight train and now we're exploding right on into the next year. Let me read to you. Uh, and this, the Lord supernaturally uh, engaged me in a couple things this week that I would have not normally been engaged in ever. So he led me to uh, connect and learn a couple things. And I knew it was for this. So I'll share it with you all. Another uh, well-known national prophet that's been tested said this uh, back in September, a year of transition 2020 through 2021, the process or period of changing from one state or condition to another, what's transition? That's the definition, a process, uh, a period of changing. So if in 2019, we were in a year of acceleration with much saying, and we're going to make a transition we're going to change from that to something else. All things will have begun to end, to move, to change, and to rearrange. Now, this is Jesus. Obviously, they're speaking. This year, I must have you in unbroken fellowship. Fellowship is not the same as relationship. We use the word fellowship in church kind of loosely like we're going to have a, a, a birthday fellowship. We're going to have a pizza fellowship. And that's where we think, well, we get together and we communicate and we talk and we share koinonia with one another. Uh, in relationship with God or with a person, you can have a measure of darkness and still be loved. True? You can have a measure of darkness in your life, uh, large or small, and God will still love you. You can be in relationship with a person, a human. Maybe you're related to them. Maybe you're stuck in life. And there can be a measure of darkness in that relationship. And they can still love you and you can still love them. Yes? But Jesus said he desired this with you, fellowship. And the Bible says, what fellowship hath light with darkness? Fellowship meant a partner and a partaker. So he said, I need fellowship with you. That means there can't be any more darkness in us. There can be no more shadow of turning. So uh, what I want you to do, one of the instructions, and I'm saying it so it's on the podcast, is in the next eight weeks, run to your prayer closet and ask the Holy Ghost to shine the candle of the Lord of any darkness in your life. It doesn't matter what somebody else identifies darkness as. If it, the James said, if it's sin to you, it's sin. If God told you to stop doing it and you haven't, it's sin to you. Doesn't matter what he told somebody else. If he told you to start doing it and you're not doing it, James says it's sin to you. So that would be darkness. That's going to keep you out of the partnership that God's asked you to be in. So he's saying that before this thing goes from accelerated to explosion, I need you this year. I need all of you, all in. So again, that's whosoever will. Fellowship. He says, I'll provide all you need to fulfill my will. Work with me in fellowship, in prayer for yourselves, yes, but beyond yourself. 2021 is a big change. I am preparing to fold up this dispensation. Did pastor not reference the folding up of an era in Hebrews Sunday night? Specifically, the scripture uses those words. It'll fold it up and roll it up. It talks about in Revelation like a, like a garment. I am preparing to fold up this dispensation, that means the church age, to bring it to a close, the things I have prophesied, vision and unseen glory. That sounds a little different than most prophecies you hear. 
because when Jesus talks in the first person. So a pastor uh, on Sunday night uh, said a few of these things. He asked me to explain explain so that you could uh, do the join up and the hookup if you wanted to. He said it may even start out a little slow in 2020. And that doesn't mean the acceleration of the pace of the body. That meant as Jesus is saying, I need you this year, you're going to work yourself into that place. That might feel like it's going a little slow with you. It's worth it. Make the adjustment. I used to tell my students accuracy before speed. Yeah, you don't want to try to bypass accuracy. Again, if you're still dealing with Christianity 101, we're tithing, we're going to church, we're not, we're living holy, we're watching, you're dealing with all that, you have a lack of accuracy. If you speed up when there's no accuracy, it will cause uh, a destructive explosion. You have to be accurate. So God is giving you this little window of grace, ability, you don't do it in your own strength to create, to, to just go ahead and leave those things and create the accuracy. Um, because when you shoot for the bullseye, you need to shoot to kill. You need to be able to get that bullet in the center mass in your life. Um, so adjustments that will be made. But by the time March and April and May, that's a very small window. Uh, that's about eight weeks here and maybe eight to 12 there. It will accelerate even more. And some of the things that you've been believing God for shall come to pass. I would say use your faith uh, first and foremost right now for the adjustments in your life. Because when you, when you get in line with God's word, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things he will add. See, you're using faith for the things and God never told you to. He said, use your faith to seek the kingdom first. That means God's ways of doing and being right. And then he'll do all the adding. Isn't that more fun? How many of you enjoy 50,000 faith projects? You have all the things on all the things you're believing for. Wouldn't it be more fun to just believe for the kingdom things and God, God, I'm going to hook up with what you've got for this era by preparing me, the vessel. And then, and then, and then you're kind of like, um, Hey, if the stuff comes great, if not, who gives a rip anyway? Because <laughs> we're out of here. Then you don't care. Due season is always when you don't give a rip anymore. And, and as for you will know at last that I am with you because I am just and I am a justifier. So stay the course. This is Pastor's Robert. God would not have had to use the word stay the course if some people were not. Not staying the course. So when your authority gives an instruction, stay the course, that means you're not staying the course. <laughs> and so we don't, don't need to go, oh, I'm staying the course, I'm good. Well, then why did he waste his time saying it? God is very purposeful and very specific. So there's some course adjustments that we need to make. We're not on, we, sometimes if we think we're on course, we don't want to use the phrase, oh, I'm good or nah, Lord, you said to stay on course. Could I just check in and make sure that my idea of the course and yours are actually identical? Because sometimes we think we're on course and we're not. So we want to check up with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Stay the course, run the race. Um, and when I read a prophecy, I notice every single word. He didn't say the walk of faith. Run the race. That tells me that some people are walking or they don't even have their running shoes on. They're trying to be out on the race course. Here's something you need to know about prophecy. Um, God speaks things into a body. A body is made up like a military. Are there not privates and four-star generals in the same military branch of all four branches? So uh, let's say the president, the commander-in-chief, wishes to address the Navy in, in, a, in one group or over the air, airwaves. In listening to that same message are privates and four-star generals, Yes. But the message is not necessarily identifying with just the private. So when these messages come forth, your responsibility is to identify yourself where you're at. So although God is saying certain things, 
Um, it'd be like a, people saying, hey, I want to try out for the track team. So the track coach is down there and the track, is, the track coach is running the varsity first stringers. And he's coaching them, but he's got a group over here on the side that are JV and they just want to try out. So he says, hey, everybody, I want you to go run the, the, the full four miles and do whatever he's talking about. He was talking to the varsity first stringers, but the JV without shoes heard him, but was the instruction to them. No, so you need to know who you are and who you're not. So he, when he finished that instruction, he would come over here and go, wow, let's get you guys some shoes. <laughs> get, get out on this course. So you have to locate wh where you are. Some of you need to go buy some running shoes and, and stop taking them off. And it's okay if they're Pradas. That'll work. Yeah. Or Louis or, you know, whatever you like. But you need, uh, you need running shoes on. Uh, finish the course. That means we have the opportunity to get distracted and get off. So you need instruction that you're going to finish. Contend for the faith. That's Jude, is it not? Contend. That means you're going to have... The fight for faith is actually your fight for focus. Keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, keep on plowing, keep on trudging. That means to me, it feels like plowing and trudging. Well, congratulate yourself. You're doing it right then. Okay. Keep on running. Keep following my word and my spirit and you won't go wrong. You won't get off the path. Um... So I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to skip around because uh, this was released either on the Facebook. You all get these things off the Facebook, the LFC Facebook, or our personal one. They're either printed or they're in our notes. So just stay faithful to the covenant. Um, I'm, I'm mindful of that phrase. Stay faithful to the covenant. I'd say most Christians don't know what belongs to them in the covenant. Although we teach blood covenant class here, um, that we just scratch the surface. Stay faithful to my word. Stay faithful and keep on running. The Bible says, uh, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And I've never l bothered to look up the word good, but I was in a meeting a few weeks ago where the minister identified what the word good meant. It meant skillful. I'm like, how refreshing. Well done, thy skillful and faithful servant. It's not okay for us to faithfully have done it wrong without being skillful. Anybody ever got promoted for doing it wrong? Yeah, so you get promoted for being skillful. So Jesus is going to say, well done, you skillful, you accurate and faithful servant. So we want to have skillfulness. We want to have accuracy in our, in our faithfulness. So when God is admonishing us to be faithful, it's not just, oh, I was, I was there every week. You were there every week doing it wrong. You were to be admonished to be skillful in your faithfulness. So we would need to know what that was. Stay faithful and keep running. Even that you have been disappointed, you will go, oh my gosh, God turned it around for me. So pastor referenced the, the year of the great turnaround. Many of you will go to a new level in me. Notice he didn't say all. Because see, these are specifics. You'll have to locate. God's no respecter of persons, whosoever will. But if you're back, um, again, merging onto the highway at 20 miles an hour and you want to go 80, then you will have to pay a greater price than someone else's on the highway. But it's up to you. God's not going to withhold from you because in the Bible gives the principle of those that came and were hired in the last hour did have the right to the same wages. So even though you showed up 40 years late for the job, the job post is still opening, but you will have to have some acceleration to your life. You can't putz in your little 20-year-old uh, Ford Tempo. Okay, you better be in a Ferrari at this point. Okay, so the great turnaround. Many of you will go to a new level. Each of you... And again, although he said each of you will fulfill your fullest potential and your fullest gifting, people cannot sit there and go, oh, God said 
all. No, he didn't say all. He said each of you. When God says each, he doesn't mean everybody sitting within the sound of his voice because that'd make everything automatic. Each of you that what? Will partner in fellowship and participation and partake and cooperate and do what you need to do all in. Each of those people will be able to fulfill because there's no way we're going to fulfill our fullest potential. If you want to be an Olympic gold medalist on the track team and you don't run every day, are you going to fulfill your fullest potential? So it doesn't matter if a coach says to you, you can fill your fullest potential. You know what? I always view it as a, as a, as an, as not a compliment. When I hear somebody say they have such great potential, that's not a, that's not really actually a compliment. That means they're identifying. They see something that's unexercised. Yeah. And, and, and you can uh, interpret that however you will. I just always interpret it. That doesn't really sound quite as complimentary as maybe they meant it. Maybe they were making a positive faith confession. Uh, put some things on the shelf. Don't be concerned about them. Just go for the ride. That doesn't mean, um, here's the danger of, of prophecy, again, that you don't understand that it's not automatic, that you need to contend for it, um, and that you're going to have to place effort. But when God says put something on the shelf, we always think, oh, good, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> no, he meant take your little box of trinkets and your plan and everything you spun about the prophecy you got, about what it meant and who you're going to be. However, you spun that and you pack that in a shoebox and stick it up on the shelf and let God bring that to pass when he wants to and you focus on building the kingdom. That didn't mean you got to do nothing. That meant actually you had to do a whole lot more because beyond you was going to be the more and your little shoebox was just about you. Aren't you glad you came today? Yeah. Um, and so I'm back to uh, what this uh, minister was ministering on. Genesis 1-4 said, God said, let there be lights. Uh, there'll be firmaments in the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs or signals or flags or evidences for seasons. Seasons mean an appointment, an assembly for a definite purpose or place, and for days, a time defined, years, a revolution of time. So we're in uh, an era how do we know what era we're in? Because the Bible says that all the eras that have come before will be culminated in this one. I like to just start, at, and this is not church history, but the turn of the century is the easiest place to start uh, with Azusa Street Revival. How many of you are familiar with that? The Azusa Street Revival was marked with worship and much speaking in tongues along with healings, was it not? Okay, and so we had that at the turn of the century, which gave way to the healing revival, 46 into the 50s. Yes? Okay, and so that era, that season, appointed time, was marked with that, which gave rise to the charismatic renewal around the 60s, which was a great many denominational people, or even Catholics, coming out of denominationalism and coming into what we might, um, we might say the word of faith, or non-denominational, or just actually reading the Bible for themselves. So that was the charismatic renewal. Uh, and then that gave rise to the teaching movement in the 70s and 80s, where we have great men like uh, Brother Hagen and Oral Roberts and Brother Copeland, uh, where people would bring their tape recorders into services, and you had, had cassettes tape. So people were very hungry for the teaching of the Word of God. So that gave rise to uh, the 1989, what we call the Great Awakening, and then Brownsville in 1995, which was the longest-running revival for five years, which birthed into Smithton, which was 96 to 2000. So now we're in 2019. We're 20 years into, into this. 
And it was interesting that the year 5780, uh, there's only 20 years between 80 and 100. Uh, and so what would the last Great Awakening look like? What would come to the forefront? So you've got healings, you've got tongues, you've got people moving with the word, you've got people starting to move with the spirit. Uh, you're going to see an exponential increase in miracles. Have we heard that from the prophet's mouth? Uh, and evangelism is coming to the rise. So something else through this connection that I was listening to, I ended up uh, listening to somebody else that I know well, just hadn't listened to in many years about where, where are some things in the earth. Lots of times, uh, the reason you need to focus on beyond you is the more is because Satan will have you think small-minded. If you turn on the news, everything's horrible going to heck in a handbasket. But when you, you hear uh, ministers out there traveling with a God's eye view, you find out um, that the fastest growing church on the planet is actually in Iran. Yeah, but you would not know that. And you're not going to know that. So why Brother Copeland specifically said, stop paying attention to the news. Because right now it's just all lies and rhetoric and spin. In other words, the truth is going to come out. And when it does, when the walls fall down, you'll see it. But stop listening to that as that's, as that's going to inform you. know, you're going to be misinformed. Uh, the second largest growing church is in North Korea, which is communist. Okay, and so the South Koreans are partnering with the praying North Koreans. So I hear that on the streets of uh, Australia, that people are, are hitting the streets in droves, what we call special ops. They're out there soul winning and tracks are being given out. For 30 years, there's been a gentleman, I don't even know his name, that's been carrying a cross around on his back. And most people make fun of him, and he's got a team that follows him. And most people ignored him, but right now in France, they're flocking them, asking for tracks and prayer, and, and tracks for their friends in the country of France. That's the Dark Ages. The one place that, to me, is, is the heart of darkness in what we call the civilized world, besides the third world countries, is Europe, the Dark Ages. Very cold, and the blood has to come back. So the blood always precedes the glory, which is light. So the message of the blood. So that's all happening. Um, in the 1040 window, which you all know is a latitude longitude window of the unreached people groups, the population of the 1040 window is 5 billion. It's only 7 billion on the planet. So we have about 2 billion people that claim Christianity. So we have 5 billion un unreached people groups. And within that unreached people group are 8,000 different groups or dialects or languages. Uh, that 1040 window. And the 83% of them are the poorest people in the world. Okay, so the main religions, as you know, are Buddhist, Hinduism, and Muslim. So most of that, there's a difference between unsaved and unreached. Unsaved means they've heard and they decided not to get saved. But when we still haven't reached them, that's the, the, the largest unreached people group. Um, but, you know, we think our pastor, Dr. Jack, our pastor, and then his and I, our pastor, Dr. Rodney, he has no box, thinks big. Um, other ministers uh, think big. See, the one minister mentioned that uh, they were having a new revelation of the God who's more than enough because we needed to understand about personal private airlines at $200 million dollars. Because the airlines can't control us getting in right now. Do you know the only airline that will fly into the Dominican Republic is American? So if you're going to the Dominican, you have to fly American. That's not good because that's limiting. And when there is a monopoly, they charge whatever they want for those tickets. So it's a monopoly. So this minister said they know they have to have their own airline. It's $200 million, which is big stretch for some of us thinking, but not for them, for where they're at. It's specifically only for dropping in an entire plane of special ops to take a city with a pastor on board that they're leaving there. And they've been doing it, just not on their own airlines. 
And so this is going on all over the world. Exciting. And we're a part of that. So guess uh, uh, where Burma is located? Where our pastor's going in the 1040 window. They only have 145 people groups within Burma. And of course, Hindu and Buddhist is their main religion on that. So uh, there's 45 million, 45 million unreached people in that region of Burma that they're going to. So they probably won't get to quite all of them in their four or five days that they're there. But um, we get to be a part of all that because beyond you is the more. We're going to have to move in the next couple months to get outside of our small thinking about just our needs and cooperating with this era of being used of evangelism and miracles. And God wants to flow through each one of you. So if you focus a little bit more on that, I think God will probably take care of your mortgage and your car payment and whatever needs to happen in your body because you, you need, you got to take this thing with you and it's got to cooperate with you. Is that encouraging? Uh, one thing that was very profound, I don't follow uh, Jewish things. I'm not, I'm not a student of that. There are many people that are students uh, of that. And so I'm pretty ignorant of it. But uh, Rosh Hashanah, which was September 19th, I didn't even know that that is the Jewish New Year, the first Jewish New Year. And when, uh, because I was asking the Lord, I said, why do you speak in October now, Lord? Why do you speak prophetic utterances as early as October? Well, hello, the Jewish New Year. Because <laughs> he's like, because you're past the Jewish New Year. We're like, oh, it's not New Year's Eve yet. Again, as if everything revolves around America and the whole world. And God, God's American, right? And, and so he's had to explain a little bit of this. Uh, I'd never asked before, and he's not making me a, a theologian of this again. But... Um, it was interesting because they have 10 days of the feast and uh, before Yom Kippur. And what that 10 days is for for them. And they said even uh, Jews that are not devout, like we would say, we have, we're Catholic, but we only go Christmas and Easter. Okay, so Jews that go twice a year, the, the t- at least two feasts they will celebrate, their big ones, are Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And the question is, in Genesis, when it says um, that I made man and gave him dominion, he was to dominate and control the earth's environment and produce what I told him to produce. And then God breathed his breath. So the two questions, when they blow the shofar to initiate the feast, that they are required to ask themselves and come up with an answer in 10 days is, are you taking dominion by doing your job? And what have you done with the breath I breathed in you? Pretty deep, profound questions. Yeah. So if you were just coming in for Christmas and Easter, you might need 10 days to think of your, your, the answer that you want to have the baloney free zone at the throne. Okay. So they, they reverence that. And I thought that was fascinating, but now I know why the Lord is starting to speak even earlier than October though. The, 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 the utterances were stirring in our spirit even before that. And even uh, the things for the Christmas banquet or what we call our new year, the reason God is speaking, because he spoke them already into the earth. Because so when he says that crossover 2020, that's actually Rosh Hashanah, 19 to 20 to 21. It's running in that. So if we're thinking that you have three more months till that year ends, you don't. So we might want to just mentally budge over a little bit, 90 days on the the Jewish calendar, because he did say kind of watch the fig tree for how that works, because that's kind of God's center of uh, where things are, not necessarily America. Does that help you? 
Um, and then it was uh, revealed to me through somebody also that uh, somebody had given them a testimony, some well-known ministers that they knew, very solid ministers had said they were in Australia. So it was uh, Rosh Hashanah, 12 hours there before it hit the other place. And they called and they said, an angel stood on the end of our bed, on our, like on our mattress, uh, and we, we could not speak. In fact, they said that they, had not, they did not speak for days. And uh, the angel said, I'm the angel of the great awakening. The angel of the awakening. So I thought, no wonder. Everything has all of a sudden been stirred up. The utterances are coming forth. What we would have called early are actually already late in October. And we're watching some of the walls fall politically. But you're watching God have his way on a grand scale. So what the Lord is asking us to do in the next uh, 8 to 12 weeks is decide whether we're going to get all in with his plan. And kind of whatever we thought the plan was or we wanted or hoped for ourselves, just maybe lay that aside. And uh, get that pedal down to the metal. Um, Fellowship versus relationship. Does that help? Okay. So how do we watch? And I'll wrap this up. Take things uh, in prayer to the word. Uh, His plan for revival. If things were automatic, God would not have, have had to waken up Joseph to get him to leave Egypt. If things were automatic, he was like, oh, I'll just, because I said it through the mouth of Mary, everything will be okay. God had to wake him up in the middle of the night and get him to escape. And so we have to cooperate with the leadings of the Holy Spirit. God told us uh, to go to Ramah, and he didn't ask us when we felt it was convenient or whether we thought we could afford it. He just never asks, maybe he asks yours, but he never asks my opinion. (laughs) He doesn't consult with me on things like that, on the affordability, on the time constraints. And so uh, we put our house on the market naturally, but uh, it had not sold and it was coming up on the day we needed to, to disembark to be on time because I'm not going to be late to, to class. My dad taught me that being late is the height of rudeness. It, you tell people that whatever you're doing was more important than what they're doing. So we're not going to be late to class. We're not going to be late to the plan of God either. And so uh, we had decided whether the papers were signed or not, we were pulling away in the truck. So I remember it was 5 p.m. and we were at dad's house. We had left our house, gone to their house to say goodbye. And the realtor met us there at 5 because we were leaving the taco stand. (laughs) I don't know how you're going to get this done, but you'll have to find us because we are going whether these papers are signed or not. The house can fall down. I don't care. Um, and so, uh, naturally, on our journey up there, we're having to be led. And so, we, we didn't have GPS back then, people. This is in, like, 1995. And you had this thing called a Rand McNally road map. But it didn't tell you where the hotels were. Yeah, and, and if anybody ever loses Wi-Fi, you need somebody at least my age or older to help you read that map. And um, so, it did not tell you, okay, where are the hotels, where are the exits, where's the nearest Starbucks? It's not on there. And so, you have to try to figure this out. So, we're like, well, we'll drive. And so, a parent, and it doesn't also tell you, there was no Google that you could Google that said there's an Elvis convention on the way in Nashville that you're going to be at. And every hotel is going to be full because Elvis is back. And so from at 10 o'clock, 9 or 10 o'clock at night, we wanted to make as, as much distance as we could. We decided to start pulling over at what looked like. You just know what looks like a decent hotel. It's off the highway. And so that's how you pick. And that you're going to pull into this hotel. Well, uh, we could not get a hotel. So 10 turned into 2. 
okay, we're fatigued. The boys are only six or seven or seven or eight at this point, and we're all enjoying this nice bumpy ride in the front seat of a U-Haul togetherness. And uh, so we pull in finally, and we find this one hotel, and it's it's one of those that uh, the there's a window that you just slide the money in the little thingy. Okay, that should have said a whole lot more, but this was 1995. Now today, you know, um, but it's late at night, and so the bars are across the window, and, and, and there's no refunds too. Okay, that's always not a good sign in, in hotels and in horseback riding. When they say no refunds, it's, it's not going to go well for you. And so... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, now I know why. And so uh, we pay our money. We go into this room. The carpet is so filthy that you need to leave your shoes on. Okay, so not socks because they won't be socks anymore. So you don't walk on the carpet. You wear your whatever you had on, you wear. Um, and you might even want to wear them in the shower. And so we managed to get some showers. We laid down. Um, we decided to just lay on top of the bed. A few hours said I, and we literally lay down and pastor gets up and he's like, get up. We're not staying. He just felt in, in his spirit, man, no fear. We're just, we're not staying. Oh, geez. Okay. Awesome. So we get back in the car and we hook our little, uh, U-Haul back up and we pull away and you'll never know most of the things you miss, uh, that could have happened. And that's mercy. But when we get to school, one of the stories that the instructors mentioned to us was the fact that they'd had a similar type incident years before they override it. And when they woke up in the morning, their trailer was gone. Yeah. And so we thought, well, that's probably what would have happened. Somebody would just connected our U-Haul and driven off with it. And that was everything we had, which was a whole lot of nothing. But to you, your something is nothing when it's still nothing. (laughs) And, uh, so, uh, following the leading of the spirit and where I'm going with this is that, uh, things are not automatic. You're going to have to cooperate. And if you're overly consumed with, uh, your personal issues, should I say, or even maybe what you think are your callings or what hasn't happened for you yet, or even things, uh, I know as parents or grandparents that we feel we want to see in our family or our children. And that can be very hurtful. Uh, that kind of emotion can be extremely distracting and keep you focused on those things with even prayer and faith that God doesn't want you to expend on that. Because when you understand covenant and you're focused on the kingdom, it obligates him to take care of that automatically, which means I don't have to spend time dollars and faith dollars on that. But putting myself in remembrance of that is kind of where you want to do your work. You want to live in that place so that God, you're working with God and he's working on your behalf. That truly is the easy way. It also means that uh, when those feelings come, like I had an opportunity this weekend, I told my husband, I said, look, I get an opportunity when I'm with this individual to go, do I believe what I saw? Not encouraging. Do I believe what I felt? Less encouraging. Or do I believe the report of the Lord? And so I said, I choose, I choose to believe that in spite of what is very clear that I see and very clear that I feel and what sounds, what I'm told is gone in the wrong direction as fast as it could go in the right direction. I believe this report. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know who, but I don't have a choice because I cannot afford to get down in that thought and that emotion. Why? Because that distraction will be my destruction. And then I am not useful, not only not useful to the kingdom, I'm not useful to them because as, as my youngest son, there was a day when he came to himself. And so people come to themselves, but if you're not in your place, when they reach, you'll be, you'll have no life preserver for them. So you need to not be a wall absent without leave. So you're going to take God's word to him in prayer. You guys okay? 
Okay. First uh, Corinthians 14, two, praying in the spirit, you pray out the mysteries. Um, this generation will see what no other has yet. It's a mystery. How do we fit in it as a body? Uh, our pastor, what things belong to this era? So when our pastor says, hey, we're going to do an outreach, I feel led to do an outreach, or I feel led to get a bus, we're supposed to have a hookup with our mouth and our faith, not going, well, I wish I could throw in a dollar, or really, if I'm not working, I might be able to come. We, we've not adjusted our focus correctly. And so some people in, in the last couple months this year, you're going to need to use your faith for not working on Sunday. I'm just going to be bold. If there's anything to use your faith for, it's that right now. To free yourself up, do a pushback at that and see what happens. See what God will do. You have to push back for God to raise up that standard. You can't just let the devil continuously take ground. When you're supposed to be at your military debriefing as a soldier, you're not supposed to be down at your workplace. So the number one thing you want to believe God for is a different job or favor there so that you can be where you're supposed to be. Because Sunday is the first day of the week it's your equipping as a soldier and a Christian. And if you don't have that, then what are you doing the rest of the week? You don't have, you're not focused on that. And here at this church, if God's called you to this church, we have Sunday morning and Sunday night, not as an either or. They're completely different. The impartations and the messages are completely different. They were not designed to be, oh, if you can't make it Sunday morning, you can make it Sunday night. I'm just telling you the truth. I get to say a lot of things that your pastor will not say to you. I'm a pastor, not the pastor. And there's a huge difference. And I take advantage of that for your sake. And I'm very bold because it's delegated authority. And I am not running in a popularity contest, but I love you with my life. Yeah, which is different than my mouth. Okay, so we're, we need to pray that we get these things. Um, we need to pray that we be in unity. Your opinion causes disunity. Your opinion at your workplace causes disunity. Your opinion in the political arena causes disunity. Your opinion in a church causes disunity. We need to practice agreement with our mouth so we have un- unity. We need to have, the, the Bible says, the same mind. It says they were in one accord. Notice it didn't note that they were in the same geographical location because we can be in the same room and not be in unity. Some people are making a grocery list. Some people are thinking about how hungry they are. Some people are wondering when I'll quit. That's not unity. Yeah, been there, done that. And so unity is not present in body and absent in mind. And so when we come in together, we have to practice agreement. We brought our faith. We are in agreement with whatever the word and the spirit through the pastor says we're doing. That's the number one part. Everything said here goes on the calendar first. Then everything and everyone pivots around that. Makes life simple. It's the KISS method. Keep it simple, sweetie or saint. Whichever you prefer. So unity is, is, is practice. How many of you got married and were walking in instant unity in your first two years? Or did you have to pra- did you pr- practice? Not only if you were drinking. Uh, did you have to practice? Okay, so unity does not come natural to us because we all want our own rights in our own way. Uh, and then we want to express our opinion. And as Americans, unfortunately, that is fostered in us to the point that you'll be paid for an opinion poll. Not, not helpful to you. If you're going to earn money, please take a pass on that. You don't want to strengthen that idea in your life. So whatever God tells our pastor, God is looking for us to have a hookup and a join up with our mouth, our faith, our prayers, and our finances. And that's first. The local church is first. The kingdom of God is first. Anytime I've needed anything in my personal life, whether it was health or finances or a car or a house or a sofa, I gave it to the kingdom first. Now, I've given away five sofas, given away five cars, umpteen watches, uh, everything, anything I have, if you want to know how I got it, be prepared for a story. And I'll go, let me tell you, have you heard the story about that? Have you, why? Because it's a story for the glory. 
because it came through sowing and not just one time, came through much sowing. So if there's, in other words, I'm reminding you, if there's something not happening in your life, what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. Do it first for the kingdom and then he's obligated to do it for you. And so you're tired of asking, then you don't even have to ask because I, I like to obligate God. The fastest way to obligate God is get rid of your couch and sit on the floor. Yeah. Pre, you, you, can pre, you can expedite things. I've learned to do things faster because it's, it's just more helpful. Uh, so notice that God noted they were in one accord. So um, God's not going to drag you. The pastor's not going to drag you. God has places that he wants all of us to go together. It begins first as a church body, and then it flows into your personal life, not the other way around. But he's, our pastor cannot drag you. Uh, anybody can go that wants to go with him. Uh, and he's going to go there with or without anybody. Um, but so God's not going to drag you, push you, pull you, coerce you, cheerlead you, prompt you. It just doesn't come that way. And a lot of times we want pastor to be, uh, what, what he references a dancing bear, or I just say a cheerleader, exhort us to do the, the basic things when, um, and so when he's gone, I'm always very aware of my job is to help you get thrust forward. If you'll let me, if you won't get offended with me for pushing you, uh, not teaching you something new, but coming behind him and saying, let me teach you how to walk in that. So when he comes back, you have the hookup if you wanted it and you're stepping right in line, not so far behind him. He can't see you. Uh, because this is the plan of God for your life. And therein lies the blessing for you. You don't even have to think about the blessing. Is that easy? So, uh, as we move into the end of this year, and we get ready to uh, pray. I'm going to take a minute to pray today. Uh, and I always encourage you to come to corporate prayer. And again, I don't make up these sayings facetiously. I try to have the Holy Ghost gives me a way to say things just to help you remember it in an easier way. When you come and sow in prayers, you reap in answers. So when you come and you pray for the church needs and the church body, you can spend a lot less time praying for your personal needs when you go home. So when you come for that half hour or that hour, people think, it's such a huge sacrifice. I don't want to leave my home and take off my bunny slippers and already put in my microwave dinner. Uh, and so we're tired, but we, don't, we, we cheating ourselves out of the whole principle of the matter. What? I can come for one hour and get all my stuff answered for the month? I'm not, I, I'm not a mathematician, but I know two plus two still equals four. Okay. And, and again, if everything has the easy way or the hard way or Deuteronomy says cursing or blessing, I'm going to do it the blessing way and the easy way. So when we're coming in here and we have that time to pray corporately, when we're in here in corporate worship, that's when I get an enormous amount of answers for my life. I'm going to strike that mantle and tap that supply. You're authorized to tap a corporate supply that has far more in it that you'll, than you'll ever have on your own as an individual. And so that's the blessing there. And so when we're together, we want to pull on, on heaven with all we have. So it's not just I'm not making a, a commercial for Tuesday night prayer. I'm, I'm talking about... I'm talking about the success or failure of your own life. Can I just say it that way? So today, instead of um, us asking God what we need or me praying for you, I thought we would practice for just a minute. What does it look like and sound like for us to pray for the plan of God? Lord, what do you have for this era and how do you want me to participate? And praying for our pastor because he's the one leading this particular military company. And he has to get from the Holy Ghost. And the one thing he doesn't need from us is us pulling on him for all our personal issues instead of holding up his hands. Because if he'll hear from God and we'll simply follow that, your personal issues will automatically be solved. And wouldn't it be more fun that way? So I thought we'd stand. And that we'd, and if you want to... Uh, 
walk around to just for a minute. We're, this is what we're going to do in closing. We're just going to bombard the heavens on behalf of God's plan for this body, which includes you, uh, that our pastor hears from God. And uh, those utterances come forth in a clear, stronger way, so we understand them. And what part you play in this era, which is beyond you and your personal needs. Amen? So I'll just pray generally, and, and you hook up in English and in tongues, okay? So let's go to the Father. Father, we are so grateful that you have invited us into fellowship with you, Father, in partnership and partakers of your plans, your purposes, and your pursuits. And we are determined, Father, with passionate purpose to hook up with that, Lord. We bring our faith to your plan and the part that you have for us to play in it, Father. We highly esteem that part. Father, we do not despise that or lightly esteem it, and we do not covet another's part. But we walk in the fullness of what you have for us, Father. And we've come to this place every time we assemble, Father, to pull on heaven for spirit utterances, Father, that manifest blessing in our lives. And so, Father, we pray for our pastor that he would have boldness and utterance, Father, to speak forth as we could come into the close of this year already in the Jewish New Year, Father, and moving into next year, that we would have clear utterances, which are direction. That is a clear path for us to accelerate on, Father, that he would have those things, Father, and that he would not draw back from them. So we bring our faith, and we bring our strength, and we bring our encouragement to this local body, Father, and to our pastor. And in that sowing, Father, we know that we reap that same flow bountifully into our lives. And as we seek first your kingdom, Father, in a greater measure, as you explain uh, to each of us individually in our spirit, man, what that will look like in our lives in the next few weeks. And thank you, Father, for the grace to comply. Thank you for the faith to obey, Father. And thank you for the joy that comes from the grace and the obedience, Father. And that joy in an ever-increasing measure makes us stronger and stronger. The more we obey, the stronger we become, Father. And the faster we can go and the more useful we are to you. Thank you for the privilege of being fit and meet a vessel for your use. Father, that we would not remain vessels of clay or wood, that we would become vessels of gold, Father, ones that you could fill up and pour out, Father, nation shakers, not just shaking our household, Father, our family, even our city, but that you could deposit us, Father, that we would be one of those special forces that you could trust to go into a city, Father, and not think about what we will eat or drink, but think about those that will partake of that heavenly bread and that heavenly wine for all of eternity, Father, that we would be willing to to make the sacrifices and pay the price, Father, that our joy would be full. And Master, we are so grateful as we begin to move into this era with great accuracy and even greater speed that you are with us, Father, and that the greatest adventure of our lifetime all remains ahead of us. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.